Amazing. Thank you, Equipers Essex. You can take your seats. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. This is not only my first time at Equippers in Essex, I believe it's my first time in Essex in general, actually. And uh, as I was driving in, uh, driving in in the way to Essex, I've, I've heard it's the only way. And uh, I was wanting to see, you know, just like the, the, what Essex has to offer. I heard there's a castle. I heard Colchester is the first city in the UK. Um, but it was just surrounded by fog, so I couldn't see anything on the way in. But uh, then I thought, well, maybe it's the glory cloud of God anointing your county. So expect big things. You know, Pastor Barry has been telling me just, you know, this is a crowd that is on fire for God. And I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. Uh, your family in, in New Malden says hello to you because we are family. Because what's exciting is, like Pastor Barry said, three years ago, my wife and I, we took on the leadership of this church. It's been sort of like floating around the Axe Network and the Equippers movement for a while. But we were brought in and we are in the middle of transitioning it to become a new Equippers location. Yeah. yeah. So. Watch this space. If you're ever in London, come and say hi. We would love to see you there. And, um, you know, I've actually just come back from a holiday as well. Not quite as far as Orlando, but we were in Scotland for two weeks. It'd be easier to mention all the different places that we didn't go to. We packed a lot of it in. We saw, well, one of my highlights, we went up to Loch Ness and we saw these alpacas, which aren't native to Scotland, but we managed to see them. And then they were telling me, one of them actually escaped and went for a swim in the lock. So they saw this strange long-necked creature <laughs> appearing out. So maybe that's how the rumors got started. But we had a wonderful time. I'm feeling rested. I'm fi I don't know if it's the Spirit of God or if I had, you know, three Weetabix instead of my usual two this morning. But I believe that I'm ready and I'm preaching to a crowd that is ready to receive something from God. Yeah? All right. Sounds good. Well, this morning, you know, Back in New Malden, we are beginning, along with the Equippers family in Surrey, a new series on hope. So that's what I want to bring this morning. Talk a little bit about hope, because we all love mountaintop experiences with God. We all love times where it's, you know, it's just me and God. It's him and I, and we feel like, yes, God, I will give you everything. I will give you all that I have, all that I am. Those wonderful moments where you're just so full of his presence and his love. Maybe you felt like that if you were at Shout Conference in particular. I know I did. And what was amazing for us is in our church in New Malden, we didn't pray for it. We didn't expect it. But we received a number of different Iranian refugees who were fleeing persecution for their faith. And then before you know it, you invite one, they bring five. These people are just so hungry for God. And they're encountering Jesus week in and week out. And these people here, you know, they are, yeah, they are wonderful, wonderful people. So desperate for God. And, you know, they come over with nothing. They can be transferred to another part of the country at a moment's notice. And a while back, we got the sad news that a couple of our Iranian friends were transferring far away. So like, oh, is there anything we can do? And we heard they're transferred to a place called Colchester. It's like, ah, we know what to do. So it was wonderful to meet our friends, Majid and Mariam again. So good to see you guys. Yeah. But like I say, we all love these encounter moments with God. But how many of you know that after a conference, after a Sunday service, it's far, far too easy to let the hype and the emotion just slip away because how many of you know after Sunday is Monday again it's work it's the kids are back to school you know how many of you have been given a God dream something big something impossible but then how many of you would say that you are walking in the fullness of that God dream in the here and the now 
No hands. I know because I'm not either. And this is what God does. And it took me a while to figure it out because at every stage of my Christian life, you know, I didn't come from a Christian family. I started going to church when I was 15 and discovering God for myself. But to university on campus and we were partnering with the Christian Union there. And my wife, Rachel, she had a vision of the college building on fire. It was a holy fire, not anything like that. But we saw, we were seeing dreams and praying and planning together. This entire campus, one for Jesus. Now, as far as I know, that hasn't happened yet. What's up with that? Well, then a few years later, you know, we went to Bible college together in Denmark. And, you know, it was this wonderful time. Everyone was bigging me up like I'm a great teacher and preacher. And it was wonderful. And then I came crashing down afterwards into the nine to five. What is up with that? God, you planted a dream in my heart, but where is it? Where's the fullness of it? Where's the fulfillment? And then years after that, three years ago, we got invited by Pastor Peter. You know, we were at a wedding, actually. For those of you who know Ravi and Love and Adieu, we were at their daughter's wedding, just minding our own business. And then Pastor Peter comes up and says, oh, I've got something to tell you guys. <laughs> <laughs> He was telling us about this church, and he was like, this is what we want to do. And then throughout the whole rest of the day, even during the dinner, even we just saw him across from the dance floor. He just walked past and go, (laughs) (laughs) and we were so ready. But then lockdown happened. What is up with that? God keeps planting these dreams in. I keep getting excited and ready, and stuff happens, sure. But when am I going to walk into the fullness of it? You know, how do we overcome Doubt, fear, unbelief, all of these things that get in the way of a God dream and not give up. That's what I want to talk about this morning, giving you some keys, some case studies from the Bible to talk about how do we not give up. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is How to Overcome. How to Overcome, okay? Because the Bible's not ignorant of this. If you go to 1 John chapter 5, Verses 4 to 5, it says this, everyone who's been born of God, that's you and me, everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. This is an expectation. No matter what life throws at you, no matter what the world throws at you, you should overcome. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Okay, so we're supposed to overcome everything with our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. John's given us this expectation here. If you are believing in Jesus, if you have faith in him, you are supposed to overcome. But how many of you feel like you're overcoming on a regular basis, where doubt and fear and shame and worry and all these kinds of things don't hold you down? I know that is so difficult for me. And what I've learned is this. In order to overcome, in order to see your God dream happen, in order to experience the fullness of God's plan, God's destiny for you, it's simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. All you have to do to overcome is to endure, to keep enduring faith. Listen to this in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is talking to all these different churches. He's giving them advice. He's giving them his word. He's giving them encouragement. He's giving them challenge. And at the end of everyone, he says to this, hold on to what you have until I come. Hold on to it. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes, the one who fulfills the God purpose, the God destiny for their life is this. 
the one who keeps my works until the end, enduring faith, overcoming faith. And to him, I will give authority over the nations. I want some of that. I want that God dream in my life. This is how you overcome when life hits you. You know, Jesus isn't unaware. He's not a stranger to all the troubles that we face. He warns us about what will get in the way. But he also expects us and empowers us and believes in us to get over what gets in the way. And he shows us how to do it. So I want to take you through a few different stories in the Bible. Talking about a few different people who had their God dream, their God moment. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants on fertile soil. Oh, sorry, choked the tender plants, they produced no grain. But still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as anyone had planted. And then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, if I was you, if, if I was there in Jesus, and I was listening to that story, I was like, okay, what am I supposed to understand? Jesus, why did you tell this story about a farmer? And clearly, I wouldn't have been alone. Because later on, when Jesus was alone with the 12, they were gathered around him. They asked, Jesus, what, what was that story about? What are you talking about? We don't get it. He explained. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, hear God's love, hear about his grace, but only to have Satan come and snatch it away all at once. Well, the seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. Yeah, come on. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or they're persecuted for believing in God. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly it's crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. But the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Okay, all of these four types of people receive a God dream. They hear the gospel. They hear that God has a destiny, a plan for them. They hear he wants to heal them, love on them, forgive them, use them to change the world. But what happens to them depends on the condition of their heart. Do they choose to overcome? Do they have the strength to overcome? Do they know how to overcome? Let's see how. Because I've got four different stories here from the Bible. Now, they're not going to appear on the screen. I'm going to go through them quickly. But let's talk about the seed on the path. People who hear it. People who hear about God's love. But then it gets snatched away. And their hearts end up hard and unbelieving. Let's go to Thomas. Now, he's known as Doubting Thomas, and I think that's a bit unfair, but I suppose Disappointed and Skeptic Thomas doesn't have the same ring to it. (laughs) But he's one of the 12 disciples. He was with Jesus for three years, walking in his footsteps, hearing his message, doing miracles himself, chosen, Jesus' inner circle. And yet, when Jesus was arrested, he abandoned his master. He ran away. He left him when he needed him the most. This is a man who saw everything, who was with Jesus, but his heart became hard because of fear, and he ran away. And then when Jesus rose again, guess what? Tom didn't believe it. Can you imagine if you were out to, I don't know, buy milk and bread or something like that, and Jesus shows up, and you're not there. You miss him, 
So when he gets back from running his errands, the disciples say, Tom, we saw Jesus. He's back. He's like, yeah, right. Come on. Seriously? His heart has become hard, unbelieving. Seed that has landed on the path and has not been able to grow. He said, I will not believe it. He doesn't just say, I can't believe it. He says, I will not. I refuse to believe it. That is seed that has landed on a hard, stony heart. And I get it. He saw his master, his best friend, killed. That's going to create a lot of unbelief. That's going to cause overcoming to be very difficult. But listen to this. Eight days later, the disciples were together, and this time Tom was with them. Tom was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus shows up. And then Jesus, listen to how he ministers to Tom. He said, peace be with you. Put your finger here. Feel the wound in my side. Put your hand in me. Peace be to you this morning. Here on earth, you'll have many trials. You'll have many sorrows. But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And the world includes your unbelief this morning. The world includes your stony, broken heart that is finding it so hard to believe. Now my question is, have you asked God to come in to your life in the midst of unbelief? This is why I love reading the Psalms and even the book of Lamentations because they're so real. Now half the time I read the Psalms, I think, oh Dave, cheer up. Come on, man. But life is like that. They are so raw. They are so real. Can you imagine, for instance, praying Psalm 10, Psalm 10 verse 1. Listen to this. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Can you imagine praying to God, where are you? Show up. I need you. Have you left me alone? I can't see you. Where have you gone? I need you. Can you imagine praying a prayer like that? This is a man who's after God's heart, and he's not afraid to ask God the hard questions. And guess what? God isn't afraid of your unbelief. God isn't afraid of the hard questions. You know, so many times, you know, my friends who don't believe in God, they've said to me over the years, you know, say, oh, if God is real, you know, let him show up. I actually think that's a good prayer. Maybe they don't get struck by lightning in the moment, but maybe something down the line, who knows? But I think it's a good prayer because are we treating God like Santa, like Father Christmas, to show up in our problems, fix everything, give us some presents, and then leave so we don't have to deal with all that religious stuff, all that relationship stuff. But do we genuinely want a connection? Here's the thing. God wants you. God wants you so much, he will overcome anything to get to you, even a broken heart, even a closed-off heart, even an unbelieving heart. The thing is, people always say that there's no catch to following Jesus. Actually, there is a catch. When you say yes to Jesus, there is a catch. And the catch is you get the most fulfilling, the most loving, the most deep, the most intimate relationship ever. That's the catch of following Jesus. And he will stop at nothing to overcome your unbelief, your stony heart. God does not condemn you for your doubts. God doesn't hate you for your fear. God isn't disappointed by your broken heart. He ministers to it. He loves it. He wants to heal it so that your tested faith comes out like pure gold on the other side. It's a good prayer to pray, saying, God, where are you? Pray it, and I believe that God will show up. You know, many young people today, I find, 
teenagers, young adults at university, they're doubting. They're deconstructing their faith, what they grew up with. I think that's okay. Because that is the opportunity for us to come in and not condemn them, but love them. Show them the love of Jesus. In this life, you'll have difficulties and trials and sorrows, but Jesus says, peace be with you this morning. If you've got a stony heart, if you've got an unbelieving heart, God wants to give you peace this morning and overcome that. The second one, we're going to move on really quickly. So we have the seed on the path, unbelief with Thomas. The next one is the seed in the rocks. We're going to go to Peter. Now, I love Pete because he's, he's, the, he's the first one out of the boat. He's the first one ready to follow Jesus, but it leads him into trouble. Because at the Last Supper, Jesus is saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to die for you. And Pete's all like, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to die with you, Jesus. If that's what it takes, I'm going to go with you. But whereas Tom ran away, this is next level betrayal. Pete said to Jesus, I will follow you. I will die with you. And then a few hours later, he says, I don't know him. Three times. Three times. Maybe you felt like this after a mountaintop experience. You know, maybe you've made promises to God saying, God, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll do everything for you. I'll give you everything. All that I have, all that I have. Down in southwest London, I'm constantly bombarded with, you know, you've got to have this phone. You've got to have this car. You've got to watch this new TV show. And we do this all the time. We've got to get the next relationship, the next promotion at job, the new experience, the next holiday, the next guest preacher. <laughs> Changing your whole church even. But see the way that Jesus ministers to Pete. Again, I'll just read it quickly. Jesus returns like he promised. He rose from the dead. And Pete sees him even before Thomas did. We get this really odd final chapter of John, the Gospel of John. Pete dives into the ocean from the fishing boat, swims to the shore. He can't wait. And what does he see? He sees Jesus has made breakfast for him. They sit down. Jesus says, come and have breakfast. And then at the end of it, Jesus looks Simon Peter in the eye and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Pete's like, yeah, Jesus, you know I love you. And they ask him again, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me? I can imagine Pete's like, yeah, I, I do. I do love you. A third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter at this point is saying, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Feed my lambs. What does Jesus do? He cooks breakfast for the guy who betrayed him. He sits down and asks if he loves him. The guy that ran away and said he didn't even know him. And at the end he says, follow me. Now I think there's a reason why Jesus said it three times. Because how many times did Pete let Jesus down? Three times. For every failure... For every time we said no to Jesus, Jesus comes along and restores Pete. For every failure, for every sin, for every bit of brokenness, for every time you've let God down, Jesus comes to you and says, do you still love me? Do you love me? If the answer is yes, that's good enough for me. Let's change the world. Let's go. Listen to how he does it. John 16, 33, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials. You'll have many sorrows. You'll have many difficulties. You will sin. You will fail. You will stuff up. You will let God down. But take heart. 
because Jesus is the one who has overcome the world. Come on. Maybe you just need to have breakfast with Jesus. Maybe in the midst of your failure where you're hiding from God, you say, you know, maybe it took all of your strength to get to church this morning because last night you were doing something you shouldn't have. Last week, you felt like you let Jesus down. Last month, you promised him everything at Shout Conference and you haven't been walking in. Jesus' question to you this morning is, do you love me? Do you still love me? If the answer is yes, let's have a fresh start. Let's change the world together. Let Jesus speak to your fear and your failure this morning. It hurts at first to bring it to the light. It hurts. But honestly, the moment you do, you will find freedom like nothing before, like nothing else can do. You are finally wonderfully free. Have breakfast with Jesus at some point. The third one, we're going quickly. The seed among the thorns. This is when worldly cares choke the word. Let's go to John 4, the woman at the well. Again, it won't appear on the screen, but we have this wonderful encounter. Jesus shows up. We're at the well at midday in the heat of the sun. This woman, she's got a reputation. She can't be seen with anyone else. And Jesus says to her, can I have a drink? And the woman's like, okay, but why are you talking to me, a Samaritan, a woman? And Jesus says, I can give you something even better than this well. This well will leave you thirsty. You'll have to keep coming back, but I can give you living water that will never, ever run dry. The woman's like, oh, that sounds good. Yes, please. And Jesus says, okay, go and fetch your husband. Have that you're just feeling emptier and hungrier and thirstier going to the latest relationship, looking for the next job, looking for the next gadget, looking for the next mountaintop experience, looking for the next thing to try and fill the gap that is in here. For me, it was video games, YouTube, Netflix, anything with a screen. You know, there's this really, really cute picture of me as a two-year-old sat with my teddy bear playing a computer game up in my parents' attic somewhere. And it is really cute until you realize that that experience led to a whole childhood and a whole teenage years full of just screens. I was very socially awkward before I became a Christian. Why? Because that was my life. And before I knew it, I started to realize that I was looking for fulfillment in something that could never satisfy. See, in my games, I was always the hero. I was always saving the day. People liked me. People valued what I got. I was getting all these experience points. I could overcome challenges. I was the hero in every story because I was running away from my real life where I wasn't. These empty wells that can never truly satisfy. There's a famous song that says there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And we try and fill it. We try and fill it with everything this world has to offer, but it just leaves us emptier and emptier and emptier than ever before. Because an infinite hole in our hearts can only be filled with an infinite person. God put that desire for more in you, for him. For him, more than anything else. See, we trace after all of these things, and that's okay. Jesus says, God knows you need all these things. God knows you need to pay the bills in a cost-of-living crisis. God knows you need a decent job. God knows you need food and drink. God knows you need connection and relationships. But what does he say? Seek him and his kingdom first. But he doesn't leave it there. Seek him first 
and everything else will be added to you as well. Jesus says, the thing you're looking for, the satisfaction, the fulfillment, it's found in me. This is how you overcome. This is how you last. You find the source of it all, and it's Jesus. See, this morning before we came to church, I met Barry and Sarah in Costa, and I love really good barista-style coffee, but let me tell you, the sweetest, most wonderful cup of coffee I've ever had was with Jesus at home in my living room. It's when I've got my Bible open. Sometimes I even make an extra cup of coffee for Jesus. I have to drink it for him at the end, but (laughs) that is my time with God. That is where I know I can overcome my longing. I can overcome the things I'm trying to hide for. I can find true and lasting fulfillment in him. What do we have? We have three people. The seed on the path, the hard heart, the unbelief. Tom, Jesus says, peace be to you. I'm here. Let me melt your heart for me all over again. We have the seed in the rocks saying yes to begin with, but then falling away, failing. Jesus says, I'm here. Do you love me? Let's change the world. We have the seed in the thorns. We have us chasing after all that this world can offer. And Jesus says, I'm here. I can fulfill that longing. Where does that leave us with? The seed on good soil. The seed on good ground. This morning, God wants to melt your hard heart of unbelief. This morning, God wants to show you that he's the one that can satisfy your longing, where you've been chasing after this, that, and the other. He wants you to know that he can overcome your deepest and darkest shame and failure this morning. If you are alive this morning, and if your answer to Jesus is yes, he will show up. When we look at Peter, and when we look at Judas, both of them betrayed Jesus. Both of them let the side down. Make it your goal to cultivate a soft heart with good soil. Where God's message isn't rebounding off a hard heart. Where you're not letting your failures, your mistakes, your worries, your fears, your distractions get in the way. God has built you, has made you, has designed you, has empowered you to overcome in this world and into eternity. A soft heart, an open spirit. You know, I pray that we would all be like the words of Paul, where he says, let there be light in the darkness. God has made that light to shine in your hearts. We ourselves are like fragile jars of clay. I know I certainly feel like it at times. But this makes it clear that this power is not from us. It is from God. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we're not abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but we are not knocked out. And in Jesus' name, through suffering, our bodies continue to share, to share in what Jesus had. So that's why we never, ever give up. Even though our bodies are dying, even though our minds are racing, even though our past keeps catching up with us, spirits are renewed every day. These present troubles, Paul says, they won't last very long. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. We fix our gaze on things that we cannot see. They will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see last 
into eternity. Come on, just as we come to a close, I want to minister to these three areas in people's lives. Maybe one of those resonated with you in particular. Maybe it's the seed on the path, unbelief. Maybe it's the seed in the rocks, it's failure. Maybe it's the seed in thorns, worldly things, distractions. But come on, how about we all stand to our feet and let's pray together. Let's let Jesus love on us together. Maybe right now, however you engage with God, he's not religious about it. Maybe you want to raise your hands. Maybe you want to put your hand on your heart. Maybe you want to close your eyes. But come on, however you engage with God right now, let's just give our hearts to him afresh, whatever the condition. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are a good God who's given us a God dream. Thank you for every single person in this place that has a destiny that has a design that has a dream because of you God I speak to old dreams I speak to old desires I speak to that first love that people had when they first met you Jesus and right now maybe it feels dim and dark and desperate maybe it feels dead and buried Maybe it feels so far away. But thank you, God, that you are the King of Kings who brings dead things to life. You are a God of resurrection. You are a God of new life. We don't just speak new life into our bodies and our minds. We speak new life into our dreams and our hopes and our destinies. Thank you, God, that you've made us to be overcomers. And in the mighty name of Jesus, I impart that resurrection life to people's hearts this morning. I command every stony heart that has been burdened by disappointment, despair, and unbelief to rise again and overcome in Jesus' name. God, just like you did for Tom, God, I speak the words of Jesus to every unbelieving heart this morning. Peace be to you. Peace be to you this morning. God is saying, I'm not afraid of your doubts. I'm not worried about your unbelief. I'm not sitting up in heaven biting my nails thinking, oh no, they're messing it all up. But Jesus is here for you. Come on, let him just touch your heart. That God dream has been, I want to break down a lie that maybe you've absorbed. You know, people say sometimes, oh, God still loves you, but he won't restore you. Now, God might forgive you, but you've messed up his dream. I want to declare this morning that that is a lie from the depths of hell. Jesus is a resurrecting God who doesn't just resurrect your life. He resurrects your dreams as well. And if Judas could be washed by Jesus, feet could be washed by Jesus, if Judas could eat at the table, if Pete could go to Jesus after denying him to his face at the moment he was going to be tortured and killed, he can certainly forgive you. In Jesus' name, I command all sin, all brokenness, all failure to dissolve in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, would you minister right now your love, your compassion, your care to people's hearts. Jesus is asking you this morning, do you love me? No, 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 forget about the past. Do you love me? No, don't worry about your sin. I took care of that on the cross. Do you love me? It's a simple question. And if the answer is yes, come on, say it to him right now. 
Yes, Jesus, you know I love you. Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. I know I made these promises and I stuffed up, but thank you, Jesus. You are a good, forgiving, kind, gracious God. And the moment you do, Jesus says, that's good enough for me. In this life, you will fail. In this life, you will stuff up. In this life, you can't be perfect on your own. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Or maybe finally, you're like the seed in the thorns. We are chasing after the latest gadget, the latest relationship, the latest promotion, the latest this, that, and the other. But you just feel emptier and hungrier and thirstier and more wanting than ever, ever before. You keep going to these empty wells. Let Jesus minister to you. He says, I'm here. I've got something that will satisfy. I am the bread of life for your hunger. I am the living water for your thirst. I am the God who sees you, who understands you, who knows your needs and is more than able to meet them. Come on, in this life, you will have distractions. In this life, there will be things that will try to steal your attention away. There will be things that try and promise life but only leave you feeling emptier. But come on, take heart because I have overcome the world and all its shiny things, all its distractions, all its promises. I am here for you. Equippers Essex, may you be a church together and as individuals that day by day, moment by moment, cultivates a soft heart, a tender heart, an open spirit, a spirit that says, no matter what comes my way, no matter what life offers, no matter how life hits me, my heart has good soil. And right now, just let the peace of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the joy of the Lord settle into that new soil. God's put new compost in your heart this morning, whether you feel it or not. Come on, whether you feel it or not, there's something deep, there's a transaction going on in the spirit right now. Soft hearts are melting. Broken hearts are being fixed. Distracted hearts are being refocused on the king. Failed hearts are finding forgiveness and grace this morning. There is no unbelief that God's grace can't reach. There's no failure that God's grace can't forgive. There's no distraction that can beat the satisfaction from the King. Thank you, God, for every heart, every situation, every mind, everything that you see here, past, present, future. God, I speak a resurrection into the God. I've told you all of this so that you can have peace in me. In this life, stuff happens. But take heart, because I have overcome it all. In Jesus' name. Keep an eye out for unusual miracles this week. Keep an eye out for the Spirit of God doing wonderful things. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Barry, but thank you for welcoming me here. I hope that's spoken to you.